Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Welcome back uh, to Second Amendment Radio. And, you know, I have the honor this week, uh, actually Friday the 30th, we're going to be taking my show, the Mark Cox Morning Show, live down to the great city of Eureka to Chicken Ellie's restaurant. Uh, and they're going to be donating a part of their proceeds from our broadcast down there. So we're encouraging people to come out. Uh, we'll be there from 5 to 9 uh, and probably a little after that on Friday morning, 30th. You can show up. Uh, Bo Matthews, there's food. So I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting in. you to be there. Uh, and course. a portion of all the proceeds will go to benefit uh, the Focus Marine Foundation. And we've got uh, Sergeant Tom Elgis on the phone with us this morning, a retired uh, United States Marine Sergeant. And uh, Tom, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to to have you on and uh, uh, anxious to find out a little bit more about Focus Marines Foundation and, and what it is you guys do so well. Well, we started in 2009 uh, when a Marine who I served with in the 1960s, his son was in OEF and OIF and ended up in a hospital in Germany. And his wife and he went over to Germany to visit his son. He's doing fine. He healed well. He's a successful man. Uh, but when he was over there, uh, we were all pretty much Vietnam era. Okay. Uh, and he wondered again, what happens when they come back here? How do they make that transition? So you investigate what the military does, and there's not a lot they can do because the Constitution says military and civilians cannot mix because then you would have influence over the military. So he came back with a vision, and he started calling Marines in St. Louis, and 12 of us got together, and he gave us the mission of building a transitional program uh, to help our warriors make that transition from military life back to civilian life which is their next battlefield, actually. Uh, many of them went in when they were 18, 19 years old, right out of high school, never filled out a resume, never did a job interview, wanted to do something for their country that was much bigger than them, and then they come back. And we knew what to do when we were Marines. We were tra- highly trained. And when you get back here, everybody says, well, you're a Marine, you can do anything. Yes, possibly we can, but how? So we started designing this program to give them the how. 
Um, and like I said, we started in 2009. In March of 2010, through the generosity of one of the Marines, we had a farm out in Defiance. So we thought that's where we'll bring them. Uh, no distractions, no nightlife. Uh, they're pretty much our prisoners of war. <laughs> and uh, so we uh, started getting people in. And our first session was called Midwest Marines. We came up with a name, and we got our participants from Wounded Warriors East and Wounded Warriors West, which the Marine Corps has two facilities that actually rehab the Marines when they come back and they're wounded before they discharge them into civilian life, okay? So they weren't really out of the Marine Corps. And uh, we did a good job of telling them what may be coming, but we thought that's not our audience. So we took a sabbatical till the next September in 2010, and we went out after our warriors, Marines, Navy corpsmen, out in society, not being successful, not moving forward. So we designed a program, um, and we invited a bunch of them in, and because of our generous donors, uh, they fly in. They don't even pay for their luggage fee. I think we booked 30 flights, and we had 15 showed up. Wow. So once again, we... We learned, okay, and we started our program, and I think we had a fairly solid program, but the best things that we started to do right away was let them critique us. Uh, we, have, we do this four times a year. We have them for a week, typically 24 to 26 uh, Marines, Navy corpsmen, and now because we've grown so much, other services come in. And uh, we pick them up at the airport. We provide transportation. They don't have to worry about anything. Once again, uh, our donors, uh, one of them uh, donated a bus with a wheelchair lift and everything else. So we're prepared at the airport to receive them because we cannot let these people down. Um, Good for and airport, airport police helps us. USO helps us. Airport facilities help us. We park our buses right by the terminal with our plaques on the dashboard. If you can, if you can realize this, we actually drive around the terminal and pick our guys up and gals up, and then take them out to the farm. That's on a Saturday. What what a All great right? what a great effort. Yeah, and Sergeant Elgus, thank you, th- thank you for uh, your service for this country and, and the mission that you're on right now. I, I do want to tell you the importance of the program is so deep in all branches of the military. Uh, just a personal story, my daughter, you know, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of these guys that come out of, of military service have never had a job interview. My daughter uh, went in at 17 years old to the Army and served, and when she came back from her first deployment in Iraq, she, we we were ready for her. We were excited. We had a car ready for her. She was arriving in Oklahoma, but uh, the, she didn't even call us to say, hey, I'm back on, on solid U.S. soil. She went right. immediately, because she had money in the bank, she went immediately to a car dealer, which I think should be outlawed. Uh, in the sense of you got to have a little a little breathing time, but she went right to a car dealer, got into a you know an expensive car situation, and it was like no, we didn't have right. that chance to like de decompress her. I don't know what the word is, but to get her you know uh, to meld back into society. She, but you're a kid. What do you want when you're a kid? You want a car. So and you got all this money in the bank. So boom, right. off she went. Uh, so I, I think it's important on, on many levels. That's just one personal story. Uh, but I think the one thing that she says more often than not is she misses the structure, the structure of the military. Absolutely. Well, your mission, you know what your mission is. 
You've been trained. You've been highly trained. Uh, You have people on your left and right that you trust, okay, with your life. And but when you come back here, it's your friends are not like they used to be. It's like they didn't move forward. You did move forward. Yeah, they're not the same. Mm -hmm. No, you've seen some pretty dramatic and profound stuff. It's changed your attitude and everything else. And like I say, well, you're military. You can do anything. How? How? Your daughter wasn't equipped to come back and buy a car, you know? Right. Without taking a little time and getting a little education to get back into civilian life. It's so important that they be retrained, actually, from the military back to the civilian life. And that's how we started building this program. Sergeant, is that that the... Uh, the 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 first step. I mean, if if we had if this was widespread, if everybody who was making that transition was getting this kind of help, would we be putting a bigger dent in those on average twenty two lives a day? I understand that we lose in this country to suicide. Oh, absolutely, because they come back, they're lost, and look at they've got hardware blown off them, traumatic brain injury, post traumatic stress, survivor's guilt, grief and all this stuff, and I mean, it's a volunteer military, okay? So they volunteered. They want to make a career out of it. Some came from bad families, bad neighborhoods, and everything else, and they get in, the, like, the Marine Corps that I know so well. They're given discipline. It's 12 seconds for somebody to tell you that you're doing something wrong, and then you, you, you bond with all the people that you trust so much in there, and you've got your tribe. Boom. you got a leg blown off, an arm blown off, or traumatic brain injury and everything else, you're on a flight, you're in Germany, and you come back here, and you're not prepared because the military isn't supposed to prepare you for that. So this father who talked to his son in Germany when he went over there came back with a vision, okay, there's got to be some way we can design a program instead of getting out of the military off of a cliff, it's more of a ramp that you can slowly come down get acclimated, get back into society. And when they come through focus, it's not easy. It's very difficult. We're in their face, and that's what they need. And they, the first thing that we've got to do on Saturday, we load them on the buses, and it's a 45-minute ride out to the farm, and it, it is deathly quiet. I mean, you can hear a pin drop. And we get them on the farm. They're looking around. They're not talking to each other. We're assigning bunks to them and everything else. Then they meet the combat casualty nurses, which are good resources. Then they start meeting us, and they see that maybe I can trust these guys. The first thing that we have to do is gain their trust. 100%. Uh, The VA and everything else, uh, I'm cognizant, and I listen to our nurses tell our, our warriors how to go through the VA, and it would it would tick me off. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's just so complicated. But uh, so- Sergeant, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a military brat. My dad served uh, 47 years with the Air Force in uniform and uh, civil service, and uh, I've never even asked him this question. I've never asked my, my daughter this question. I've had uncles serve. Can I, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know if anybody's ever, ever asked uh, because I just don't know, but when a civilian sees, uh, you know, somebody wearing a, a, a Vietnam vet hat or they, they know that somebody has, you know, returned, whether they're still in service or they're, you know, out of service, 
when somebody refers to you as an American hero, is there is there a pressure? Is that is that a negative? Uh, is, you know, I know it's a nice thing to say, but is it received? How is it received by military? Uh, different ways by different guys. Some guys think it's think it's insincere. Uh, some people say, you know, well, they're just they want to feel generous about themselves. And some some guys just really and gals just say, thank you. It helps. It means something to me. You know. Right. Uh, so I think it's the individual that has to say that to me personally. Um, I think they should all be thanked, but if they're walking through airports and in restaurants and everything, they, they might not want to be bothered at the time. A lot of time they're closed up, Yeah, you know, and, uh, it depends. There's going to be a lot of pressure though, to be referred to as a hero. Yeah, You know what I mean? Well, we don't, we don't, that's not the way we feel. The way we feel is we did our job, you know, and so did the guy on the right and he can't walk through an airport. He can't hear words. He didn't come back. So, Sergeant, Thanks what, for what, you know, it's it's a difficult question. Some people handle it just like I mean, some people handle war better. They don't come back with post-traumatic stress. They may go through the same thing in combat. The other person does. But if the other person had abuse early in his life, it will show itself up in combat when they get back and trying to make a transition back yeah. to so-called normal life. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm proud that we can uh, uh, play some small role in, in supporting your organization. What What is it? Do you have like an average of what it costs you guys to help each each service member who comes through the program? Is it is it $10,000? Well, yeah, yeah, approximately. I couldn't break it down. We spend close to a million a year. Okay, wow. we have four, four a year. Okay, four sessions a year. And uh, they're far a week. We pick them up on a Saturday. We take them back to the airport on the next Saturday. And so we typically 24, 25, 26. We'd like to get 30. Sometimes we find out that's too many because you got to give them breaks. Your classes can't go on too long. They can be intense, but then you've got to give these guys and gals a break and things like that. So we, on that average, we spend close to a million a year. Uh, and I say we spend our donors. Yes, give our generous donors give this money that we can do this because you got to consider that week we spend uh, we fourteen to seventeen hundred meals, uh, transportation, uh, flights, uh, everything that it takes to get the warriors to us on this farm and back home safely is a heavy lift, and we're willing to do that. And it's it's very legitimate because we're very good stewards of the money because, like, I was one of the original 12 Marines that got the call from this one Marine and said, this is my vision. And, you know, a vision is smoke in the wind unless you act on it. That's right. So we acted on it. And it's just, I kind of was the skeptic. I said, no, no, you know, we're going to bring these guys and gals from dark places. You know, we're not doctors or or psychologists or anything else. And one of the guys on the board said, well, we're Marines. So, okay, that was good enough for me. But I was going to walk the minute I found out that this program wasn't legitimate and wasn't doing its job. And I was impressed with the first class, even though it was the wrong audience. Then the next class, when we got guys and gals that were civilians, that was our audience. And I'll tell you right now, none of the directors take a salary. That's me. 13 years. Okay, we're very good. Now, we've got people that we have to pay. A grant writer because it's a full-time job. Sure. Our president, she 
is a female Marine, Jennifer. We're all afraid of her. <laughs> then there's, then there's, two, there's two civilian ladies, uh, Stacy and Hannah, because they work all year round. They book flights. They do everything. We have buddy checks. One of the great things is this is an electronic world. So when we're done with them at the end of the week, and I'm telling you, these people are fired up and ready to go at the end of the week. Okay, awesome. because we've just put them something like boot camp, and they're ready to go, but they're going to go back to the same environment, well, quite possibly sir. the same hole. That hole has a lot of gravity. Yeah. What we're trying to do in a week is move them far enough away that that gravity is light enough that then they can take over well, Sergeant, and run their lives. Sergeant yes. Elgis, I, we appreciate you. You're the mission you're carrying out these days. We're ha- happy that we can uh, play a role in it and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting you in person. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, our boat doesn't float without people like you, and I hope I hope to get to shake your hand on June uh, 30th, isn't it? it? it right? Yes, it is, June 30th, next Friday, and uh, it'll be my honor. Sergeant Tom Elgis, thank you. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Semper Fi. <laughs> there you go. United States Marine Corps <laughs> Focus Marine Foundation, and, uh, and Chicken Ellie's is right down in, on the main drag in, in Eureka. So I hope you can show up down there. Bo Matthews, I know you're going to be there, right? Um, well, I'm going to set my alarm clock, whether I hear it or not. I'm kidding. I, I, I do want to ask you, though, other than Chicken Alley's, you know, you go there, you eat, and a portion of their, you know, earnings is going to go to this organization. Um, other than somebody walking up with a, a you know, company check or something yeah. or, or cash out of their pocket, we'll have opportunities for them, correct? I believe for we people will. To do and, that. and focusmarines.org is the website for people that are listening to this who can't yeah. make it out there on Friday. Focusmarines.org, they can always use uh, your support. Fantastic. Good effort. Hey, uh, listen, that's going to do it for us. Have a great weekend. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.